0: Anybody who may be joining us for the very first time and maybe um, online, friends and family who are home making tamales and getting ready for this wonderful, wonderful week, Um, God bless you. For those who are battling sickness and illness, we pray God's hand of mercy and healing over your lives and we know that there's a whole bunch of bugs going around. Um, we pray that the Lord will bring you through um, those challenges that you may be experiencing. Today, what we'd like to do is continue our sermon series um, in the Advent season. And today we'd like to talk about the peace of Christ, the peace of our Lord. How many of you know that there are different times in our lives where experiencing the peace of God is more difficult than others. But if we're all honest, peace is what we're all seeking. Peace is what we're after, it's what we're looking for. When you're young, you don't really understand the depth of what peace really means. Because things are taken care of for you when you're young. But the older that you get, the more you realize how important it is to be at peace. To experience peace. Even young teenagers these days are suffering from various challenges, anxieties, stresses because of the demands of school, and their real things. And so it's important for all of us to, to, to be able to learn where we can find the peace that only Christ can offer. Spiritually, when we, we look at the landscape of America and our world, we also understand the importance of our ability to experience peace that only God can offer. Before Christ, many of us did not know peace. And there's a saying that goes, No Jesus, no peace. And you spell the word no, K N O W. And in the same breath, No Jesus, no peace. It's important for us to be able to communicate that truth to the world. And for us to be able to experience that in our own lives. Today, I'd like to read a passage out of the book of Luke, chapter 2. And we're going to read the story of when the angels appeared to the shepherds. Beginning in verse 8. If you have it, say amen. And the scripture says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. In other words, they were at work. The angels were working when, excuse me, the shepherds were working when the angels appeared to them. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. Can I hear an amen? This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. Let me read that again in verse 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. We'll stop there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We ask you, Lord Jesus, that you would open up our minds, our eyes, our spiritual uh, hearts, Lord Jesus, to see and understand the things that you have for us in your word. Father, I pray that Your presence would be with us today and during this Christmas season, Father God, we would be able to experience your peace, the peace that only you can offer through your son, Jesus. We pray all this in Christ's name and everyone said, amen and amen. You guys, the story of Christmas is all about the Messiah and the Messiah was the Christ who was prophesied about in the Old Testament a word was spoken to the people of Israel it was a word of hope it was a word of life it was a word that would pull Israel through the most difficult of times so that they would be reminded that God was in control and that God had their backs and that God would deliver them from any situation that they would go through and bring them into the light. Can I hear an amen? When we understand who Christ is, when we understand who Jesus is as the Messiah, you guys, it brings us into a greater understanding and a greater way of life. We adopt spiritual truths when we understand who Jesus is. Watch this. It's not just about Putting your faith in Jesus, it's about putting your faith into action. Because that means you understand who Jesus is, and you understand what he has done for you. He, you understand what he has done for all of us. So when we adopt these spiritual truths, they transform our realities and our mentalities. When we invite Jesus to come into our life, he changes everything around us when we invite Jesus into our life and we begin to apply the word of God and the scripture by faith into any situation that we face, guess what happens? God shows up. God shows up. And he can do things for you that you never thought were possible. For me, I was... uh, 24, when I experienced the type of second conversion. So I had all my life served Jesus and had been raised in the ways of the Lord and very blessed because of that. But when you're younger, sometimes you don't have that fuller or greater or deeper understanding of everything that we learn about in Scripture. But at the age of 24, I started to learn how to surrender my own will to God. At the age of 24... My faith came alive. At the age of 24, I was married to the beautiful lady over there. And together we began a journey of faith as we began to sharpen one another, encourage one another in the faith, teach one another the word of God, and then have to apply our faith practically and tangibly to the situations that we were facing and that we were experiencing. From the challenge of wanting to start a family to the challenge that it is in, as a young couple for, for two stubborn, hard-headed young folks to make the best of marriage and get through the toughest times. Right, baby? It's where the rubber meets the road in the faith. It's where we actually learn to not only call upon the name of Jesus, which is effective, and the blood of Jesus is effective, but we, 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 we start to learn who Jesus is as the Christ, as the anointed one, as the king. That's what Messiah means. It means that you're the anointed one. And that's what Mashiach in Hebrew means. That's what Messiah means. That's what Christ means in Greek, Christos. So Jesus, the Christ, now has a new meaning for somebody who comes into their faith and begins to mature. And I remember at the age of 24, my faith started to mature. I realized that there was a whole lot of things that I had relied on in my own life and the way that that I had always lived my life. You guys, I don't know if any of you are like this. You like to control everything. That's kind of like me. And then when you can't control it and you can't change your situation and things happen to you, all of a sudden that's when you start to learn about God. That's when you start to learn about trust. That's when you start to learn about faith. That's when you you start to learn that you need others. That's when you start to to learn that you need the word of God. That's when you start to realize that we can't do it on our own. That's when you start to understand that you can't raise your children all by yourself, but that you need wisdom and counsel and you need the help of the Holy Spirit and you need the word of God to to create a covering and and a path for your life. And that's when our faith comes to life. And that's what Christmas is all about. That's what shining the light on the birth of Jesus is all about. It's the fact that we believe that Jesus, who is God, became a man and he was born of a virgin. Scripture right here that we read said that a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. And one of the things that our Christ offers us is peace, the kind of peace that The angel proclaimed along with the the heavenly host to the shepherds as they stood there shocked, frightened by this wonderful, wonderful event that just took place. Look what they said. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Who does God's favor rest upon? It rests upon all mankind, but not everybody has put their trust in Jesus. And so sometimes we don't know how to tap into that peace. It evades us. But God wants to break into your life. God wants to break into our world. God wants to break into our church. Amen? And He wants to bring peace that only He can offer. Hallelujah. The kingdom that the Messiah establishes is countercultural and completely opposite of what the world knows. That's what Jesus, our Messiah, offers. Things like peace, love, hope, joy. The world would want us to find those things in other things. Substitutes. But the Word of God teaches us that we can only find them in Christ and in Christ alone. The operative word for today is peace. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, Shalom. Turn to your other neighbor, your second choice, and tell them, Shalom. Shalom is the Hebrew word for peace. And shalom also means harmony, wholeness, completeness, welfare, tranquility. It's the same as the Greek word Irene or the English name Irene. Right? Other words like Solomon, like Shalem, like Salem also mean peace. And we have all these different derivatives of this Hebrew word shalom, which really wants to communicate that God intended for us to be able to live in peace with Him, within ourselves, and with the world, especially with one another. Irene also connotes this idea of law and order that results in the blessing of prosperity, in unity, reconciliation, and also wholeness. And what is the opposite of peace? What is it when we when we lack peace? Adversity, fear, chaos. Depression, doubt, anxiety, bitterness, uncertainty. How about disobedience? How about when we're running from God and what he is speaking to us? Sometimes those are the times of most spiritual unrest that we experience. Amen? Lack of peace leads us into all different types of behavior. Different states of mind and states of being. But the Lord says, no, I want to take all of that and I want to replace it with the peace that only I can offer. Through my son, Jesus Christ. And so I'd like to... Argue today that the peace of Messiah transcends your location, your situation, and your preoccupation. The peace of Christ transcends your location, your place in life, your situation, what's happened to you. And your preoccupation, the things that keep you up at night, the things that we worry about. I believe that scripture will lead us through an understanding of how to place all things in the hands of God. How to trust God. And first... The peace of Christ transcends your location, where you are at, where you find yourself at today, whether married or unmarried, whether at a particular season in life, still working or retired, maybe in process, maybe in school. But oftentimes, when we think about our location in life, instead of trusting God with where he has us and with what he's doing in our lives, we lack contentment and we stop the process of development because of where we're at. We want things to be different. We want to be at a different place in life. We want to go back to a place that we were previously at. If we're not careful and we're not content with the location of where we're at in life, then we start focusing on things like fame, fortune, lust, and desires that are not healthy for us to be contemplating or considering for our own lives, And that's a kind of thinking and a kind of mentality that can lead us astray, you guys. It'll rob us of the peace that God wants us to be able to experience right there where you're at right now. Right there where you are. Because only God can give you the peace that you need. Only God can bring the comfort and the consolation. At that place where you're at, as the Lord has you in process and has, as God is developing you. God's saying, don't short circuit the plan that I have for your life. Amen. Hallelujah. Otherwise, you guys, we're going to be chasing things. Yeah. Athletes will be chasing things that maybe God has not intended for them. Yeah. And when those things don't happen, guess what? We blame God. And then we go into depression. Depression. And then we don't like who we are. But we have to trust God's plan for your life. Trust what God is doing in your life. Trust where God has you. Be patient. Amen? Amen. Isaiah chapter 26 verse, verse 3 says, you will, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. God will keep you in perfect peace and your mind will be steadfast. Our minds will be steadfast because we have trusted in him And we're not trusting in other things. We're not putting our hopes in the wrong things. Don't put your hope in a career. It'll let you down. Don't put your hope in in fame and fortune. You may not find it. God may be protecting you from what you think you want. But he's going to make sure to give you what you need. We have all kinds of thoughts and and, and, you know, ideas of what we should have been or what we could have done if we had only chosen this. Well, guess what, honey? Where you're at right here, right now, is exactly where God designed for you to be. trust him. The Lord says in Jeremiah 29 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And that scripture comes to life for the person who trusts in Jesus. The second is the peace of Christ that transcends your situation. You know, situation in life is what has happened to you. It's not your location. It's not where you find yourself, but a situation is what you find yourself in. You go for a doctor visit and the doctor says, I need you to come back for a follow-up appointment. We found something that we don't like. That's happened to us. You show up from work one day, and divorce papers are on the table, and it just happened. Why, God? Where are you, God? A tragedy takes place in our lives, and we are engulfed by questions like, why? Why me? Why us? Why so much? Why this unbearable pain? Why this suffering? Why not them? They're the unfaithful. They're the ungodly. Why me? I've been nothing but faithful to you, God. He said, because I love you. And just because you had in your own mind a certain thing doesn't mean that I didn't have something else for you. And that's the point when a believer begins to grow. When a a Christian can begin to trust that God knows why He has allowed things to take place in our lives. God brings us back, God gives us understanding. God starts to open up things and all of a sudden he begins to reveal to you in your time of prayer, in your time in the word of God, in your time seeking the Lord, seeking counsel, seeking wisdom, seeking the multitude of believers that God has brought around you to help you make it through that difficult time, teaching you to do it a different way this time around. God says, I got you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you because I know what is best for you. And I am right here by your side. You see, when, when, when we get caught up with this idea of the things that have taken place and happened in our lives, our situation in life is much like the things that we have. What situation do we find ourselves in? What are the things that we have? We get caught up in things like comparison, comparison comparing ourselves to other people, don't, don't let me get started on social media comparisons. Right now, theres I don't know if you follow sports much, but I, I believe it's worth talking about. Right now, college sports have changed into like a professional sport. So everybody's transferring, and everybody's looking for different schools. You can leave any school you want and start it with another school without any repercussions. And then high schooler, athletes, and amateurs are following social media and start to get caught up into seeing what is taking place and happening in others' lives. And That's not just happening in sports. Sometimes we are looking on social media and we get caught up into comparing ourselves to others. And most of the time, it's not even a, a true depiction of what's going on in that person's life. They're just better at smiling. a difficult time so don't get caught up in all that if you need to go on a social media fast on Fridays do it turn the phone off tell your loved ones this is where I'll be this is when I'll be back I'm turning my phone off the other day I forgot my phone at home and my kids called me from one of, uh, or no, they called called Judah's phone because I was taking him to school, and they said, you forgot your phone. I said, good. I'll come and get it later. Man, I didn't go get that thing until later on that afternoon, and it was the most peace that I had ever experienced in a day. And then when I picked it up, I had so many text messages, I was like, geez, Louise, is this how I spend my days? I have 45 text messages on three text message threads. It was crazy. But you know, when when we're in certain situations in life, if we don't invite the peace of Christ to come into that situation, we're going to struggle. You're going to go down a black hole of wandering and wondering. You're going to lose sleep. You might start becoming somebody that you're really not. You might even start to change the way you act, you behave, the way you talk, the way you dress, the way you try to live. You may even start to to live beyond your means and start to get involved in bad habits of spending beyond what you're able to afford because we're not happy with where the Lord has us. We lose our identity. Then we lose our identity in Christ. But the Lord wants to break into our reality along with the angel and the heavenly host and declare glory to God in the highest God's favor upon all and peace in your world, peace in your life. Hallelujah. Only Jesus can satisfy those things. He wants us to trust in Him, He wants us to experience shalom, peace. Philippians 4 verse 6 and 7 says the apostle Paul writes be anxious for nothing but through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God so that the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. In other words, the Irene of God, the Shalom of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus our Lord. And thirdly, The peace of Christ transcends your preoccupation in life. You know, our worries, our preoccupations prevent us from advancing, from growing. Our worries paralyze us. How many of you have ever been stuck in worry? How many of us are, and, and we warts and we wish that we can control everything. We're, we're parents to teenagers. We have to trust our parenting. We have to trust in God. Teenagers are going to be driving. Oh, no, I'm not in a rush. I don't want my kid to learn how to drive. Well, then you're hurting them. I don't want my kid to grow up. I just want it. Well, then you're stunting their growth in more ways than one. You have to trust God. You have to trust that God has a better plan for your child than you have for your child. You have to trust that God has a better plan for your life than you have for your own life. Because God will blow out of the water your craziest dream or imagination. God can do exceedingly abundantly greater than all of that. Especially when we invite the Holy Spirit into our life. Thank you, Jesus the Lord begins to take worries out of our hands, one finger at a time. Ah, ah, no, okay, fine. Here you go, Lord. And then all of a sudden you go, so that's what it's like to live in peace? Take it. That's what it's like, Father God, to trust I could breathe. That, that's what it's like to give it to the Lord and put it on the altar. Hallelujah. I remember when I was young, I used to, remember the Cold War in the 80s? American and, and Russia relations and wars and rumors of wars. I remember as a young child being six and seven and hearing about all those Conversations and the potential for war, nuclear war, and I used to be so terrified, I used to be so scared. How many of you guys know that the thought of something just terrifies us sometimes? But then we get to a point, or God brings us to a place of understanding and realizing that worrying will not add a day to our lives, Scripture tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God, you guys, is a way of living out our faith that is spoken about according to the prophet Isaiah in uh, chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Turn with me there. This government that is to be established, you guys, is a government that transcends all. It's a government that transcends governments. It's a kingdom that is forever. It's a spiritual reality that you and I learn to adopt when we invite Jesus to come into our life. All of a sudden, we start living life the Jesus way. The way of faith, the way of the master. Look what it says in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Somebody say Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end he will reign on david's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever the zeal of the lord almighty will accomplish this you guys the zeal of the lord is what the holy spirit gives us and presents to us the moment you invite jesus into your heart but when we receive our, when we receive our salvation we don't know all of these things So the knowing Jesus and the knowing peace is a process that we go through in life. And that's why it's so important for us to grow. That's why it's so important for us to receive the word of God and to be fed by the word of God. Amen. The word of God will feed your your soul. The word of God will direct you. The word of God will give you that comfort, that peace and that wisdom that you are seeking. Been meeting with some young people recently. Been wonderful. Discipling, mentoring, encouraging, supporting. And the biggest thing that the Lord's been placing on my heart with them is this. Are you reading the word of God? Are you spending time in God's word? Because that is the only place where you are going to be able to grow with him. It's the only way you're going to be able to lean on the Lord, in those critical moments of your life. It's what you've learned that allows you to lean on him. Amen? Amen? So we see here that this government that was being prophesied about by the prophet Isaiah is a government that only God can offer. It transcends any situation, any location, and any preoccupation that you may have in your life. There's another scripture in the New Testament, I believe it's 1 Peter, where it says, cast all of your cares upon him because he cares for you. Stop worrying about your situation. Stop worrying about your son. Stop worrying about your daughter. Put them in the Lord's hands. It's the greatest thing that you could ever do. I told you the story about when I hit the baseball, I was 21 years old, and it took the life of my teammate. I called home. Got my dad on the cell phone crying, sobbing, looking to my dad. Dad, what do I do? He says, son, this is between you and God. I was expecting you guys something totally different. I was expecting a one, two, three, this is what you need to do, this is what you need to, you know, how you need to do it, this is where you need to go. And my pops just says, go to him. That's it's the greatest piece of wisdom and advice my father could have ever given me at the most critical moment of my life. I was 21 years old, you guys, and and there were people praying for me, protecting my mind from thoughts that would have taken me in so many different places. People that were praying for me to protect my faith so that I'd learn to trust in God, learn to hope in God, and to learn to look to God for my answers and not to the world. Not to look look to cheap substitutes because when cheap substitutes are done, your problem is still there. And we've all been there. We've all tried it. We've all tried to intervene in our own way to numb the emotions, to numb the hurt, to numb the pain. Some of us run away only to be lost into the deepest and darkest place and recess in the world praying and trusting and hoping that the Lord would come and find us and pull us out. And that's what Christmas means. He's given you the peace that you're looking for. You have it right now. It's in your heart. His peace is with you. It's sitting with you right there where you are. in the early 1800s, there was a man, we referred to him as one of the apostles of faith. His name was George Muller. He was raised in a Christian home in there in Germany, actually the area also known as Prussia. And his father said, I want you to be a minister because ministers make a good living. In You'll be secure the rest of your life. And so, George Mueller went about studying the seminary and read books about the Bible and prepared himself for ministry without having a true relationship with Jesus. And in his early years, all the way up until the age of 24, George Mueller couldn't overcome certain vices and behaviors that had plagued him and troubled him as a young teenage boy. Stealing, cheating, lying, deceiving, womanizing, you name it. He talks about in his memoirs, the struggles that he had growing up as a young person. Never experienced peace until he met a pastor out in the rural fields who invited him over on a Saturday afternoon to come for a time of fellowship. And during their times of fellowship, the first day that they got together, the pastor said, now we'll start with prayer. And they began to earnestly seek the Lord in prayer together with a few other young people. George Mueller was far more educated than this man and he was waiting for this man to break open the scriptures and all of a sudden start to reveal all these special secrets of, of the Bible and, and demonstrate, you know, his intellect. But he never did because he wasn't as educated as George Mueller was. But the man taught George Mueller how to pray. And then he taught George... Muller had to go to the Bible for everything. George Muller had been preaching and teaching in different churches and seminary at the university. And he had always approached it from a very dry point of view. He had always approached it from a pure academic situation, writing his full manuscripts and and writing sermons that made sense and and wrote sermons that he thought would would impress people and would truly highlight this God-man named Jesus. But he had no relationship until finally one day he went to preach and he had prepared a full manuscript on a Sunday morning. And he said he could barely get through the sermon that that morning because the Holy Spirit was not present with him in 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 the message. But he got through it and people left. And later that day, they had another evening Vespers service. And they said, George Mueller, our our evening speaker, was not able to make it. Would you be able to preach again and bring another word? And he didn't have a message prepared. So he remembered the pastor that had been coaching him up on Saturdays. And he set himself aside for a, a, a short while and he sought the Lord. And for the first time in his life, he sought the Holy Spirit and he said, Holy Spirit, would you fill me with your words? Holy Spirit, would you give me the word of God that your people need to hear? Holy Spirit, I don't have anything to say. Would you go before me and help me? George Mueller went into the pulpit that day and he opened up the scripture and relied on the Holy Spirit and the scripture alone. And he preached One of the most memorable sermons that he had ever preached. And the people responded in such a way that it brought such a a time of of repentance. And people came and gave their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was there. And that message that George Mueller's life and his career was changed forevermore. Because he learned to look to God first. First. He learned to look to the word of God and the Holy Spirit for all of his answers. He learned to trust in God for the rest of his life and never to turn to man to answer his problems to to he never he, he he learned not to to even bring his problems before the congregation the shortfall of the churches and the orphanages and all of the orf- organizations that George Mueller led he learned not to rely on other people or to bring the financial needs that he personally had or that the orphanages had he learned to trust in God And it was at that point in his life that he had learned how to be at peace with God. How to trust in God in an impossible situation. Sometimes your impossible situation requires you to be honest, tell the truth, and take responsibility for the mistake that you made. That'll give you the greatest peace that you could ever find. The peace that Messiah gives us is a peace that will always protect us. It'll protect our mind. It'll protect our heart. Peace means that we trust you, Jesus. Peace means that This Christmas, you choose to do it His way. His way. Because His peace transcends our location, our situation, and our preoccupation. Let's stand.